man tainted by the blood of his father can forget his human soul and carry on the diabolical work of the Frankenstein. Welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Sergio. And I'm Brennan. And today we're here to review the delightfully campy uh, Son of Frankenstein as presented by Universal Pictures. True. From 1939. Thank you for that year, Brennan. You're welcome. But first, here are some 10-word reviews. Great. Um, Let's start with Late Night. Thank you, Brennan. Uh, So, funny women are funny, and they deserve money, too. And my review is, like a real late night show, only a little bit funny. (laughs) Oh, okay. Midsommar, a surprisingly funny take on the horrors of grief. And mine would be like Hereditary if the demon was just white people. True, true. Yesterday, this just in, musicals cannot be greenlit without Lily James. Lily James should only star in jukebox musicals is mine. I think we spent a little too much time together, Brennan. And I think... I might be right. <laughs> By we, do you mean us and Lily James? <laughs> yeah. That's who I meant to include. Truly the star, the third in our relationship. <laughs> yeah, we're in a throuple with Lily James and she doesn't know. Yeah, that sounds great. We should like... Wait, no, it's not, I don't know what that sounds like. Brennan, what are we here for today? We're here to talk about Son of Frankenstein and here's the plot of the aforementioned movie. Baron Wolf von Frankenstein, Basil Rathbone is determined to prove the legitimacy of his father's scientific work, thus rescuing the family name from disgrace. With the help of Igor Bela Lugosi, a grave robber, Wolf successfully reanimates the monster, Boris Karloff, his father originally brought back from the dead. But when several villagers are killed mysteriously, Wolf must find the culprit in order to vindicate his creation or face the possibility that he may be responsible. So, Brennan... Yes? There's a lot happening in that description. There is. I think the biggest thing is that he doesn't see himself responsible for the deaths of these people. No, he doesn't. But also the the idea of like him finding the culprit, it's like, no, there's no culprit. It is Frankenstein murdering yeah. these people. We yeah. all know this. Yeah, you, what else? Who else could it be? They all die in this same fashion. They've all died since you've brought back this demon from hell. And it's like, you know, hey. Maybe your actions have consequences. Maybe they do. And I mean, well, in this movie does reveal that the of Frankenstein like titling is referring to the doctor specifically mm-hmm. um, because, you know, son of Frankenstein, like the monster does not have a kid in this one. This is no seed of Chucky situation. No, but what I feel like the title begs the question, who is truly the son of Frankenstein? Is it his flesh and blood? biological heir or is it the person that he spent time creating with his own hands sculpting the perfect body the perfect son (laughs) the title begs the question brennan and i think our review of this movie might just give our audience the answers so brennan Uh you know i know you're joking but that's actually a really good insight into the title of the movie brennan i wish i was joking (laughs) (laughs) i (laughs) wish I wish I was joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Well, we rate all of our movies on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality out of five. Let's start with scariness. 
Brennan. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give it a two out of five. I give it a three. A three. Okay. Why? Um, I liked how this movie had its own little soundtrack <laughs> that let me know when to get scared and when something was up. Because sometimes I don't like to admit this, um, but the, I'm going to be brave. Uh, I sometimes get distracted by my phone, which is constantly buzzing because I just have all these friends. Uh-huh. Um, and, blowing up your phone. Yeah. And so... Uh, when I am distracted, I need something to cue me back in, to pull me back into the movie. Uh-huh. And this movie really did give me that in the form of Igor's clarinet play. Yeah. Okay. I'm just so confused by the character that you're playing right now. We I'm did not discuss this. <laughs> I'm not playing anything. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that that I would firmly put in my campiness score. But yeah, Igor, it's actually pretty clever if you think about it. Um, he's always in his little, in this little castle window playing the clarinet while he sends off the monster to murder the people that like sentenced him to hang. Oh, yeah, yes. Igor, by the way, has a broken neck, um, because he was hanged, but did not die. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, you know, hobbling around being all creepy because people who have deformities are evil, according yeah. to 1930s cinema. Yes. One also must ask themselves, if he has a broken neck, how is he able to move? Because I feel like that would make you one of the plegics. I don't know if it's para or quadra. I just know it's one of them. Uh huh. I mean, yeah, he would join the ranks mm-hmm. of the plegics. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it's a it's a universal horror movie about a man who came back to life because of lightning. I don't think science is really at the center of their thoughts in writing this script. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, anyway. He's playing the clarinet, which, first of all, how could you do with a broken neck, right? Your your uh, breath would whistle all weird. Um, and basically, that's his alibi because people, you know, they hear the weird clarinet playing and they're like, oh, that's old Igor again. Like, you can't not notice it. It's very strange. Yeah, I do love how at one point in the movie, the what kind of police force is this man? I mean, he is called an inspector. He it's a germantown and we will respect the title so the inspector (laughs) the inspector um he is like it cannot be these people who were try who had tried igor in a court of law and found him guilty these eight men who uh sentenced igor to die by hanging Uh um and logically it would be igor because they were the ones that sentenced him to die but he has a rock solid alibi so oh well that ties up that fucking weird up in the castle with his clarinet (laughs) yeah um but yeah anyway um i mean look that's super suspicious and if he's doing that every time someone gets killed it's like okay you're involved somehow like you're just flaunting how involved you are while Mm -hmm. like providing yourself an alibi Mm -hmm. um but yeah so true true would you say that was scary um no but i liked how it cued me in to like pay attention to the scare scenes okay um and I will say the movie does build dread pretty well in the first yes, act. Yes, it does. And one thing that is scary-ish, because okay. I feel like it is l- just so iconic, is the set design. Yes. You're really blasting through all the other topics I had for later categories, but sure, let's talk about it. That's true. It's because it's a horror movie first, Brendan. We must give it its credence. Um, so Credence, the Ezra Miller character from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Was he in this? No, I was just making a really bad joke. Continue. Okay. Well, I tried to save it, but you know, hey, um, can't perform CPR on something's dead. Uh, so, <laughs> what? It, who are you channeling right now? Just, I think it's the chair. 
I'm because you're actually sitting correctly in the chair instead of having it flipped around like uh, we're wrapping one one on one. Yeah, so I think it it is inspired in me, the intellectual. <laughs> sure. And that's who I'm embodying right now. Okay. I would thank you to respect it. So back to my point, which was clearly brilliant. Um, uh, <laughs> the set design is so beautiful. It's so grand. Yes. Um, it's so big and jagged and weird. And I feel like I've seen these sets many times since. Um, either parodied or honestly replicated mm. um, in just pop culture throughout. Um, I haven't really seen that in the first two movies. I mean, there was clearly like, you know, the castle on the top of the hill, the villagers with their like forks and knives or whatever. Um, <laughs> just ready to eat Thanksgiving dinner. Um, Did you say that in one of our previous ones? I feel like you've made that same weird mistake before. <laughs> Fine. Pitchforks and torches. Torches. What the is the difference? A pitchfork, it's still a fork. Yeah, but a torch is not a knife. Whatever. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, the movies had that, but they didn't have this really just grand ambiance setting, mm-hmm. which I will admit was a little unnerving. Especially, like, when they were just sitting down to dinner in this huge cavernous room. Yeah, it, it really creates the idea of set as character. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't... You know, um, all of these movies, and I would argue against your idea that the previous ones didn't indulge in this. They did, but just to a less, like, garish degree. Yeah. Um, but all of these movies are working in the vein of, like, German expressionism, mm-hmm. which is that these sets don't feel real, but they feel like expressions of the, like, feelings and tone and character and what's going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. And this absolutely does that. They're gloriously over-designed. Mm-hmm. Like... T- you know, you start off small with the, this, like, kind of jagged staircase that just kind of reaches into this yawning maw of the house. Mm-hmm. And then there is that breakfast cathedral that, like, has basically two gargoyles reaching over the table. It's really incredible. Mm-hmm. But then it gets to the point that there's, a, there's in his, like, library, in his study, there's a dartboard that's on a support beam that's at, like, a 45-degree angle. Yeah. And it's like, how could you play darts with this? How is this even possible? Mm-hmm. It seems like you're cheating. Um, yeah, I, agree. I, I would agree 100% with what you just said. I do think that it was present in the first two movies. I just don't think it was present to this exaggerated degree mm-hmm. um this movie takes those sets and then warps them and puts them in a funhouse mirror and then it's yes. like you know what this is what you're getting yeah it is sublimely exaggerated yes and even like since we're on the topic of exaggeration mm-hmm. i do love me some uh, daughter-in-law frankenstein with her just flowing dresses oh she... yeah there's there's a part where she's walking across a room early on and her dress kind of trails behind her and makes this really beautiful, mm. like geometric, I guess there's a triangle, mm. but it, it, it just kind of stays flowing behind her even when she's standing still and just creating this really beautiful silhouette. I love it. Yes. She heard that they were going to go to Castle Frankenstein and she was like, forget London. I need me some flowy dresses to suit the scene. And she delivered on that. She did. Um, I will say what I found interesting about this movie was that Frankenstein, the the monster, the monster is not del the, monster. Yeah, sure. Um, look, we the monster's not the villain in any of the Frankenstein movies. The monster is a sympathetic monster, mm-hmm. but he is the I guess antihero. Like we're rooting for him to, you know, learn enough about the world that he stops murdering people accidentally and mm-hmm. or on purpose. Mm-hmm. But in this one, the the real villain of the piece is Igor 
like there is a specific villainous character as opposed to the other two, which are more kind of like the monster character studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was pretty creepy. It's honestly, I like this role for Bella Lugosi better than I liked Dracula. I was never scared by Dracula, but this Igor is just off his rocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, you just don't know what he's going to do next. He's completely amoral. Um, and just I so think... gleefully involved with that. Yeah, I think Igor has his morals, and his morals are it's just time to get vengeance on those who wronged me and made me the Igor that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like Igor. Great. Thank you. Um, so what's your campiness score? It's a three to a four. I think I'm going with a three. It's a three if only because um, uh, of Igor and his clarinet playing. Oh, God. It was so Really? Funny. I... That the first time that happened, it was the most wonderfully weird thing that I'd seen in this entire movie. It, it was very nice. It was so bizarre because it was, it was so uncalled for. Yeah, you just had Frankenstein kill the man, right? Yeah, in the some, carriage, like, some farmer on a like horse-drawn carriage. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we cut to Igor like looking out a window, playing a little clarinet. And we're like, "The hell is this?" <laughs> and he basically provides the score for the movie after that. <laughs> Yeah, and then afterwards we see a bunch... Someone dies. What happens that... I was like, oh, it's going to be Igor just playing his little clarinet. Yeah, the, well, the guy who owns apo- the apothecary dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then the uh, the villagers with their with their forks and knives and their, mm-hmm. and their bibs tucked mm-hmm. into their uh, shirts, they show up at the Castle Frankenstein, and there's this kind of mournful tune playing over them arriving. And there's kind of the... It's like a Blazing Saddles reveal, is that Igor is playing the two. Mm-hmm. And he's completely unbothered by it. He was like, I'm just going to keep jamming, you know? Yeah. Look, Igor is just being Igor. Mm-hmm. He cannot be stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, Another source of campiness. I feel like all the characters are pretty greatly exaggerated in this, including uh-huh. the inspector. Oh, yeah. There's like a lame arm. Uh, and yeah, he he has a wooden arm because as when he was younger, Frankenstein just ripped out his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then baby Frankenstein, so the child. Oh my God, Peter von Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, he was very annoying. Yeah, um, I learned as I was totally not being distracted during this movie um, that that child actor one is still alive. Good for him. Um, two, his final role was in 1940-whatever, and he played young Bambi in Bambi. So you have heard his voice before, Mm -hmm. um, but he has the craziest voice. Mm -hmm. It's very of the era, much like if you were to watch an old-timey movie and just hear the actresses be like, oh, gosh, don't do that. Which we also get a lot of in this, too. Yes, the wife is very much of that sort. Um, He's just a child like that. Yeah, but the kid. The kid also has kind of a southern drawl too. He's like, "Yes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. He's a good giant." I thought he might have been the child that was. Uh, I thought he might have been Ron Howard, <laughs> maybe from like the Andy Griffith show. Uh-huh. You know, just that weird like speak, just where you like yell essentially as a child, and that's called acting. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, that's totally what child actors do, and this mm-hmm. is a very egregious example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but can't be nonetheless. Yes. Um, and I will say, before um, Igor provides the score of the movie, the score is out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, there is a scene that is really helped by the intensity of the score, which is when 
Wolf Frankenstein discovers like the body of Frankenstein lying on a tablet, and he thinks the monster has been dead this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the camera kind of pans back as he makes this realization, and the score is just going out of control. It's like it's like the score at the end of any Saw movie, where it's just like, and then it just kind of the score keeps climbing, but then it just kind of zooms back in on them, and it's like. Okay, my capacity to be wowed by this is has been reached. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but the score still thinks you're just completely invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's the idea that the whole third act, the whole climax, it becomes this almost parody of genteel masculinity. Explain. <laughs> well, yeah, well, because Frankenstein and Igor are kind of running around, and there's villagers outside trying to do something, but not really accomplishing anything. Um, it's just the inspector and uh, Wolf Frankenstein basically hanging out in his library playing yeah. darts. Yes, um, and it alternates between him just shouting in this these very crisp, like Basil Rathbone tones, and just being you know like a gentleman and drinking and playing darts and then just like running off and shooting Igor in the chest and then going back to playing darts. Mm -hmm. And it's just so perplexing. And then Frankenstein kidnaps the son, um, goes into these sulfur pits, looks like he's throwing the son into the sulfur pits, but is actually just putting him on a ladder. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of gets kicked into the sulfur pit. And then it cuts to the end. Yeah. No, it cuts to Wolf Frankenstein at the train station going, Everybody, you, everybody in the town, you can have the house. Okay, thanks, bye. And mm-hmm. they just, they just leave. Yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a conflict, really. Well, I mean, the conflict is in that ending, and I feel like this was probably like a, a convention of the time of the era. I haven't seen enough old timey films to say that with any certainty whatsoever. Uh-huh. But I do feel like just reading like a bunch of old texts they tend to go that way that like the bulk of the novel is spent this one way and then the last chapters mm. um are uh, just kind of like the resolution kind of like hastily shoved in there the mm. female quixote is like this i feel oh. like a number of jane austen texts are this way that's true um like like once they get engaged they're like and they got married at the end fact. yeah exactly so i feel like that's kind of the way they were done back then and the movie was maybe i don't want to say paying homage to it but trying to like emulate that same feeling yeah no, that that's probably true, but also the third act is incoherent. Well, it's lots of stammering and whiskey pouring and running around, and the inspector leaves at one point, and then he comes back, and it's like, why did you go anywhere? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that third act was stammering because we were really just like being indulged by Frankenstein's doctor. Frankenstein is he a doctor? Uh, Only a master's yeah, degree. Yeah, this one is. He's he's a doctor. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Doctor Frankenstein's hubris because he thinks that. For some reason, Frankenstein is not behind all of these murders. Um, he thinks that his monster is safe or whatever, and he's determined uh. to keep him safe from the inspector. <sighs> it's, he, it's it's this weird noises-off farce of a horror movie. Yeah, and he feels accosted by the fact that the villagers are like, these people are dying mysteriously. Yeah. It could only be this new person who has come to our town. Yeah. Um, and since he's come to our town, these people have died mysteriously, much like when his father was here. Um, you know, you know, we shouldn't p- punish the son for the sins of the father, but I feel like in uh, this case, but if case, he's committing the sins of the father again, then yeah. probably. But I feel in this case, it is apt. Yes, it's apt, Brennan. Yeah, it, yes, it is. So, what's your effects score? My effects score is a three, maybe even a two. I don't think I was really wowed by anything aside from the set design. Yeah, I'm giving it a three two for that exact reason because okay. I normally don't include sets in this, but the sets are like the whole point of watching this movie. Yeah. Um, other than that, the kill scenes are really, 
look, they were they're never going to be cool, but they're very poorly staged mm-hmm. and just not that exciting. Yeah, and there wasn't as much visuals as in the previous ones. Where a lot, I think the first one had all that lightning, had that mm-hmm. really cool shot with all the little people. Um, you had Frankenstein come to life. This one, not so much. No, it it has almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like Igor's broken neck, though. Like mm-hmm. the whole Igor character is pretty interesting. Yeah, the Igor character was very unnerving. Um, so let's move on to quality then, I guess. Four. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I found the second half to be much more entertaining than the first half. Uh-huh. And maybe that's because I was probably bored for the first half a little bit. Yeah. Because um, it was, what, Sunday morning? We were tired and hot. Yeah. Yeah, and it's now it's cool. It's a Tuesday evening. You know, we just had pizza. <laughs> and also, you did spoil that we watched this movie in halves a couple of days apart because our schedule is out of control right now. No one cares. Which the way it was meant to be seen, I think. Yes. Oh, just no. Okay, I guess I should. Was say I supposed now. to say something else? I don't know. Was I building to something? Maybe. I sometimes get lost in my own thought. Yeah, you just like your your pure academic thought. It just those thought lasers are just bursting out of your eyes. Didn't so. that happen on the last podcast too, where I was building this one argument and then I was like waiting for you to say something. Yeah. And you were like, this was your point. And I was like, <laughs> yes, Oh shit. Did. Sorry. That was great. That was one of my favorite things that has happened on this show. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to give it three out of five mm-hmm. just because it was, it was duller. This is the longest of the Frankenstein movies by a good chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, these movies are usually like, 72 minutes long at most this one was like an hour 40 it was and you feel it um it's it gets bogged down in the plot doldrums too much the plot's not super interesting because he he doesn't even really revive frankenstein frankenstein is just kind of in a coma and he tries some stuff and then frankenstein's back and he it, it, it's nothing he he doesn't really enact anything mm-hmm. Um, I beg to differ. I think that this movie, what it lacks in straightforward plot, um, or like you know, plot that is text, it makes uh-huh. for in subtext plot. Sure. So I do think that there is like um this this tension between who is the true son of Frankenstein and who is the monster. Mm-hmm. Is it the son that the father? Yeah, probably... we talked about this. Um, we didn't finish it though. We okay. said that our answers would be revealed after the podcast. Oh, I'm right. answering you're right. them. Okay, do it. So I was just saying, like, I do think that. The father is probably more proud of Frankenstein than he ever was of his son because, you know, this monster is going to bring him some world renown, some some fame and fortune, perhaps. Well, yeah. And look, he worked so hard to bring Frankenstein into the world. He had to mm-hmm. steal some bodies. He had to do a bunch of science. Like, in order to make Wolf, he just had to, like, you know, squeeze a nut. Mm-hmm. That's e- easy. Exactly. So, and then Wolf himself probably feels that probably knows in his heart of hearts that he is second best to this creature and wants to, I guess, steal that from his father. Cause what better way to get back at your father than to steal, um, steal his fame from him, steal some of his thunder, you know, I guess, I think, I think he was just trying to repair his legacy by, um, giving the monster a better brain. That's not a murderer criminal brain, mm-hmm. um, which I guess could be the kind of like sticking it back to your father as mm-hmm. well. Um, but then like, he goes oh, back- I did this better than you. Yeah, but then it goes back to his hubris, the fact that he couldn't see, like, his, whatever feelings he has, whatever emotions he was dealing uh-huh. with were so blinding that he could not see what was happening in front of his very human eyes. So true. Anyway, um, I also, one of the reasons I don't like this movie too much, look, it's it's a it's a pretty good movie, but it's the least of the good Frankenstein. Like, it's the worst of the good ones, I would say. Um, it's the worst of the good ones? Yeah. Um, I think it's a real waste of Boris Karloff, especially after he gave his 
like best performance in Bride of Frankenstein. Like he, that character in that movie is so emotional and so just in touch with the subtext and tone of the movie. It's such a beautiful poetic piece. And in this one, he's back to being the lumbering monster. He's just a lackey for Igor. Mm -hmm. And I look, I like Igor, but the monster is just this like lumbering. He's, he's might as well be the mountain Mm -hmm. in game of Thrones. He's not really a character. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, if we can't have the regular Henry Frankenstein here and, then why are we not spending any time with the one character and actor that, you know, we're used to seeing in this? Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, it's a real waste, and he's wearing a terrible vest that looks like he cut it out of a shag carpet. It does not does not do wonders for his waistline. Mm-hmm. It's a very unflattering and strange piece of clothing. It's like he cut a hole in a, in a floor rug. No, I totally agree with you. That should go like that should up our campiness score right now. Just talking about that weird rug vest that he had on. I remember hideous. It's just bizarre. There's no reason for it. And it's never explained as to why he has this on. It's like he's Buffalo Bill and he skinned Sweetums from the Muppets. Yeah, it's just not needed. It's infuriating. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, do you have anything else you want to say about Son of Frankenstein before we check out? Um, I think I want to say that I enjoyed it overall. Um, I don't necessarily, I haven't seen enough of the other Frankensteins to be able to say this is the worst of the best or whatever it was uh-huh. that you just said right now, that controversial well, take. I think we're entering the phase where it's going to get real B movie real fast, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's unfortunate that we didn't get that same humanity or humility, whatever word I'm looking for that you mentioned already that was mm-hmm. in the second one, but it's clearly absent in this one. But I will remind you, the title of the movie is Son of Frankenstein. Oh, my God. Okay, so I get he it. he is not So um, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us, uh, email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Brennan, yep. I have a question for you. Sure. Did you find this thoroughly annoying? Yeah, it was. But uh, also enjoyable. I think, you know what? Tweet at us if you enjoyed this strange character that Sergio brought with with. No permission. <laughs> I will not promise anything that I could concoct this ever again, even if I tried. No, I don't want you to bring it ever again. Let oh, him die. well, forget it. Let him fall into the sulfur pits like Frankenstein did. Again, I liked that moment when Frankenstein had that moment. Like, he's not going to kill this kid. He thought about it. He was uh-huh. like, you killed my Igor, my best friend, I guess, uh-huh. um, since two minutes ago. Now your son dies. Yes. But he was like, no, I am not the monster. I know you are. I'm Ooh. better than that. Oh, that's great. And our theme song is A Beat for You by Pseudo Echo. Uh, next week, we'll be catching up with our, our good pal Warwick Davis in Leprechaun 3. I forgot we were watching those. Oh, man. I love following up, you know, the the vegetables of a Frankenstein movie with the just, like, pure pixie stick candy of a Leprechaun movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be dope. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. But before we go, let's make our guesses for what's going to happen in the next film. Of Frankenstein? That's, yes. It's okay. called... Ghost of Frankenstein. Um, what? I'm just making a face right now because I'm like, we're we're <laughs> we're like meshing genres now. You know, <laughs> you got Frankenstein, you got ghosts. Well, truly um, a delight. I mean, s- considering how Son of Frankenstein does not refer to the monster, do you think it's the ghost of Doctor Frankenstein shows up <laughs> to like come play with his his favorite son? Yeah. Um, I do know that Boris Karloff um, does not 
continue the role into Ghost of Frankenstein. I think because he was given such short shrift in this movie. He was like, you know what? Screw this. I don't need to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can go be the Grinch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that is going to be played by Lon Chaney Jr., who was uh, like an incredibly famous makeup actor at the time. Oh, um, so it's going to be him. interesting to see a different interpretation of the role. But what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we're going to get some some new relative of Frankenstein we've never heard of? Um, since you mentioned that we're going to get a new like iteration of Frankenstein or like a new performance of the uh-huh. role, I am curious as to what point we're going to get the Frankenstein that walks forward with his hands like just straight out, but like mm. limp wrists, <laughs> you know? Uh huh. The the one that is kind of like the iconic figure of yeah with like the bolts out of his head although does, does, do these have bolts this one he has bolts in his neck okay so they're not exactly out of his head it's weird how the cultural osmosis thing works like it's never entirely right mm-hmm. at what point do they get to be in color do you know this i don't think any of them are in color okay uh, yeah at least as far as the ones that we're going to be watching mm-hmm. which goes up to abbott and costello meet frankenstein mm-hmm. i feel like it's going to be bananas because with a title like ghost of frankenstein it just sounds crazy. I feel like there's not even going to be a ghost in it. I feel like it's going to be very disappointing if we go in expecting an actual ghost. Well, it's not like a ghost, but it's more like the specter of Frankenstein. Like yeah, how his ghost like, looms large. Yeah, the shadow of his legacy over the town or <sighs> some... I am here for it. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we'll be here for it in a month when we do that one. But we'll see you for Leprechaun 3 in just a week. Bye-bye. All right. So with that, Brandon, what do we say? Uh, Good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.